Hi, this is Pastor Tom Holliday. I want to welcome you to our study of the book of Hebrews. This is week one, day one. We're starting today. This is a great book, the book of Hebrews, for my life, for your life. Hebrews is a book for all who need encouragement to keep on trusting, to keep on growing. It gives us that encouragement. And who doesn't need encouragement? The book of Hebrews was originally written to those who were missing some of the old ways of life, the old traditions. Some people who felt that what they had given up to follow Jesus might not be worth this new life that they'd found. Because this new life that they'd found, as new as it was, wasn't perfect. It still had a lot of struggles. So they had, in one sense, uh, somebody said they had gotten home from the honeymoon. They were struggling with the realities of life, even as believers. And this book is written to say again and again this encouragement to not drift back, to keep running with endurance. In many ways, the theme verse of Hebrews, to me, is Hebrews 10, 14. By one offering, he perfected forever those who have been sanctified, who have been made holy by who he is. It's a verse that focuses on us, but it's a verse that focuses on what Jesus has done for us. And as we start to look at this book of Hebrews, what this book is really all about is how we can be what we believe. When I say I believe something, it means I should be what I believe. I should live it out in my life. You can see from the very beginning that this is a book that's all about trusting the truth of God in our lives. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2, we'll look at this again tomorrow, says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he had spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. It's very clear from the very beginning, and you'll see this throughout the book of Hebrews as we walk through this book together, the focus in this book is on Jesus. If you want to get to know who Jesus really is, you're curious about that, this is the book for you. If you already love Jesus for who he is, this is the book for you because you get to know more about the one that you love. And the truth of the matter is, when you love Jesus for who he really is, you become more and more who he made you to be. It's one of the great things about our love for Christ is it transforms us, it, it changes us. So before we get into the meat of this book tomorrow, let's just take a couple moments today to introduce who it was written to, where it came from, what it's all about. First, who it was written to, it's called Hebrews because it was written to Hebrew Christians, to Jewish Christians. And we know just a few things about these people as we read through the book, besides the fact that they were struggling, some of them with doubt or with drifting away or with the need for encouragement. In a practical way, we know that they'd suffered persecution. In chapter 10, we find that out. We know that the writer of the book of Hebrews knew them personally, that he was hoping to visit them. So this is written out of a personal relationship. We know also that they may have lived in Rome. At least they knew something about the Roman Christians because in chapter 13, there is this greeting that's supposed to come to them from the Italian, from the Roman Christians. That's what we know about the readers of the book of Hebrews. Now, that may be more than we know about than we know about the writer of the book of Hebrews. As you look at the beginning of the book of Hebrews, we just wrote it. It doesn't start like a lot of letters start from Paul to the Galatians, from Paul to the Ephesians. It doesn't tell us in the beginning who wrote it. And so it's a mystery to us who wrote it. Now, there's a lot of clues over 2,000 years. There's been a lot of suspects that have come up for who the writer of the book of Hebrews would have been. If you look at some of the clues you see that the book of Hebrews, in this book, Timothy, the person who walked alongside Paul in his ministry, is spoken of as a brother in chapter 13, verse 33. So this is somebody who is in the same, at least, circle as Paul. 
Another clue is that this book is in the style of Luke or the style of Acts, the way that it was written. Another clue is that uh, as people have talked about who could have written Hebrews, is Hebrews talks so much about the Levitical, the priesthood system of the, uh, of, of the Jewish people. Uh, Barnabas happened to have been a Levite. So that makes some people think, well, maybe there's a clue there. Another clue that some people point to is that Apollos, the teaching partner sometimes of Paul, knew Timothy well. And he was also very well versed in scripture. He was a teacher. In chapter 13, there's a clue that this person may have been in prison as one part of his ministry. There's no doubt, as you read through this, more than a clue that this person who wrote the book of Hebrews had a Hebrew background. But he also wrote, or she also wrote, with an understanding of Greek thought. Out of these clues, there are a number of suspects that have been suggested over the years. The Apostle Paul, even though his name is not on it, there are many people who think he is the writer of the book of Hebrews. Luke is sometimes suggested. Barnabas is suggested. Apollos, the teacher, is suggested. Uh, Priscilla is sometimes suggested. Aquila and Priscilla, these two teachers together, are sometimes suggested as maybe they wrote it together. I have to admit, I don't know the answer of which of those people wrote Hebrews, but I do know who wrote Hebrews, because in the end, we know that God is the author. It's an inspired book, and he wrote it through a person, and we may have our opinions about which person he wrote it through, but the good news is we all know who the real author is. It's God, and the fact that he's chosen not to let us know the person through whom he wrote Hebrews, there's something about that that's important in some way that I don't understand, but I can trust God with that. I trust him as the author of the book of Hebrews. And in this book, as you start to dig into what it says and what it's all about, one of the key words in the book of Hebrews, a word to keep in the back of your mind, is the word better. This word better is used 13 times in the book of Hebrews. It's a word that's applied to Jesus. Jesus is the one who is better. So as we walk through this book, we're going to find out that the writer tells us angels are good, Jesus is better. Moses is good. Jesus is better. Those who were struggling with their faith were trying to go back to what was good. And in so doing, the writer of Hebrews is saying, the only way you can do that is by letting go of what is better. It's sort of like a very strange illustration. Somebody who has grown, has kids, has a wonderful life with their family, somehow wanting to go back to high school and play basketball again. You can't go back. If you try to go back, you're letting go of what's better in your life. But what's better here is even better than a good marriage or a good life. It's Jesus who is perfect. In the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, it's called a word of exhortation. That word means encouragement. It's very interesting. As we walk through the book of Hebrews, we're going to find out that we need different types of encouragement. This book has some stern warnings in it. It has some clear challenges in it. It has some clearly explained truth in it. All of it meant, we're told at the very end, all of it is meant to encourage you, to encourage you in your faith. Not to discourage you, but to encourage you. As you look at this book of Hebrews, another thing that's very clear in it as you just glance through the chapters, this is a book that proves maybe more than any other that you cannot understand the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament. And you can't understand the Old Testament without understanding the New Testament. Everything in Hebrews looks back to the Old Testament and how God fulfilled what was there, how God fulfilled through Jesus what was there, what was promised in the Old Testament. 
Just before we get into the book tomorrow, I want to give you an overall look at the book today, what to look forward to, what, what to pray about in your own life, and to think that God might want to do in your life. As you think about the outline of the book of Hebrews, think of it in two major sections. I said it's a challenge, so let's use the word dare. Dare to compare and dare to mature. Those are the two major sections. Dare to compare the first 10 chapters and then dare to mature from chapter 11 on. Dare to compare, that's the Jesus is better than section. And he just goes through a list of all the things that Jesus is better than. Eight of them specifically. Jesus is better than the prophets, chapter one, verses one to three. He's better than the angels in chapter one, four through chapter two. He's better than Moses in chapter three. He's better than Joshua, chapter four. He's better than the high priest, chapter four, the last half through chapter seven. Jesus is better than the old covenant. Jesus is better than the tabernacle. Jesus is better than the sacrifices. And this book just goes through and takes each of them one at a time and shows us how Jesus is better, how, shows us how Jesus is Lord. You will get to know Jesus as we walk through this book together. Dare to compare and then dare to mature. Dare to mature. He warns them about immaturity throughout this book, and then he also challenges them to maturity in this book. There are warnings and there are encouragements when it comes to maturity. He talks about what mars our maturity in the warnings, and he talks about what marks our maturity in the encouragement. What mars our maturity, our growth in Christ? In chapter 2, 1 to 4, he talks about drifting. In chapter 3, 7 to 4, 2, he talks about doubting. In chapter 4, 11 to 13, he talks about disobedience. In chapter 5, 11 to chapter 6, 12, he talks about stagnation. In chapter 10, 19 to 39, he talks about rejection. And in chapter 12, 25 to 29, he talks about refusal. What hurts us when it comes to our growth in Christ? He says, don't drift away. Deal with your doubt. Watch out for disobedience. Look out for stagnation. Don't reject, especially don't reject by not listening. And don't refuse to hear what he has to say. That's what mars our maturity. Now what marks our maturity? In the last half of chapter 10, all the way through the end in chapter 13, he goes through this awesome list of the things that mark our maturity as followers of Christ. What marks our maturity? Confidence in God's presence, number one, in chapter 10. What marks our maturity? Faith, chapter 11, the faith chapter. What marks our maturity? Endurance, chapter 12, one through four. What marks our maturity? Discipline, chapter 12, five to 13. Holiness marks our maturity in chapter 12, 14 to 29. And love marks our maturity in chapter 13. It's very interesting that in this very doctrinal book, it ends up right where everything ends up with love. As you and I walk through this book together, we're gonna find out, be reminded that Jesus is better. So don't look back. Don't look back to old ways. And we're gonna be reminded that Jesus is Lord. So we keep looking ahead. We keep looking ahead to what he wants to do in our lives. Now, as we pray, what I'd like to do today together is pray the closing prayer in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. As we open our study of the book of Hebrews, let's pray. Let's ask God to do in our lives what the writer of Hebrews prays would have happened when he gets to the end of the book. So let's pray the prayer together of chapter 13. And now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he who became the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting agreement between God and you sign with his blood 
produce in you through the power of Christ all that is pleasing to him. To him be the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tomorrow we're going to see together that this is a book that starts very strong with God's truth. <music>